Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we are at the start of Chapter 5. Uh, I'm still not quite sure the title. Something like um, Type Theory Design Basics 1, or Type Theory Language Design Considerations 1, or something. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about how to design a type theory, um, or dependently type programming language. And uh, so thanks again to Matt Oliveri for suggesting a couple of topics that I'm picking up and running with here, which is sort of heading towards the deal and also heading towards the discussion of realizability, which is an important idea for the design of Sedil. Uh, so, but I want to pick up from where I left off last time when I was in um, pretty worked up <laughs> over uh, some of these basic points about are your, the basic question is, are your type annotations really part of your program or are they just hints to a compiler? And Many programming language theorists would be, you know, very comfortable to say and probably prefer to say they're just hints to the compiler. They don't really have any true semantic. Now, see, this is one of these funny things. They don't have any operationally operational semantic meaning. You know, when people are talking, defining and studying programming languages, they talk about the operational semantics. That means giving some definition of how programs are run. So how they execute step-by-step step or how they evaluate the final values. There's some, several different ways you can do it. But it's basically talking about giving a definition in a mathematical notation um, for an interpreter, pretty much, just to say how does programs execute step-by-step. Step. Uh, and so um, type annotations don't, in a lot of languages, for a lot of functional languages, don't have um, any operational semantic effect, operational semantics effect. They don't affect how your program runs at all. And, that, and hence, they can be erased. Uh, they, don't, they don't need to be there. And, but it's funny, in type theory, uh, that's, not, that's not such a prevalent viewpoint. And you find things, statements like, types come first. <laughs> I don't, as I told you last time, I read that in a paper somewhere. I don't remember whose it was, so I can, you know, disagree with them here on the air by name, but um, I disagree with the idea that types come first, as I told you at the end of last session, at last episode, that types are pretty important. I think types are really a very good idea and have a lot of power, but they're not the first thing. The first thing is computation. The first thing is the operational semantics of your language. And I'll give you a, uh, so what I mean is you first say how programs execute. And then you explain what types are um, in terms of the notions, you know, in terms of program execution. So types are some kind of specification for how your program is going to execute. Okay. So we'll come back to that point. But I wanted to uh, sort of, again, laying the groundwork for this idea that it's not, you know, types come second, as I said in my book. Types come second. Computation comes first. And uh, as sort of, Sort of to connect that up with something I was listening to recently. I was listening last night to um, Co Recursive. I don't know if you guys listen to Co Recursive. It's a podcast hosted by Adam Gordon Bell, and he interviews lots of different people and, uh, and asks interesting questions. That he is, I, I actually really appreciate the way the, the person runs this podcast because the, the podcast interviews manage to go pretty deep. They're not superficial, but he, the interviewer, whether, um, you know, he asks the questions, the same sort of questions that a very 
um, uninformed beginner might ask about these deep topics. And so you kind of go deep, but you, I at least feel like I'm kind of right along with them saying like, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's a sensible question. Yeah. I wonder what that would be. Or, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a kind of a gentle path into some pretty deep material. And I was listening to episode 27 with this person named Runner Bjarnson. I think I have, hope I have that name right. Um, who was talking about the nature of abstraction and, um, you know, what is abstraction? And I thought it was pretty, some pretty insightful ideas that he mentioned. Um, but abstraction, you know, there's kind of some basic idea about you're forgetting some details. You're equating certain things on the basis of some characteristic that they have that's the same for them and disregarding some other characteristics that might be different for them. And I, I think that's a good rough and ready idea of what abstraction is. Um, forgetting some, forgetting some details, forgetting some information, and comparing things just on the basis of some specific characteristic you have in mind. Uh, but the point I want to make about this this idea of sort of what does computation come first or typing come first and all this is that um, there, you know, we talk they're talking about abstraction and kind of we need to hide some details and 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 equate some things based on certain shared characteristics. Um, or distinguish them based on these certain characteristics. But these are, and you know, this is not a criticism of what anyone was saying on this, this fine podcast, um, but just to sort of elaborate in connection with what I'm thinking about here, that uh, you need a sort of ground truth. You're abstracting, you're forgetting some stuff, some, but you had to have some stuff to start with to be able to forget some of it. You know what I mean? So there's kind of some baseline objective reality uh, that you're then going to abstract from. Uh, and in fact, they, they even talked about this, kind of like the world, the universe, as just kind of, there's just this this thing, this big, you know, collection of atoms arranged in certain ways, and, and it's, it's the human mind is differentiating uh, these things. Um, I, that's not really to say that there is, I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm not really totally comfortable saying that all the differences that we perceive are somehow, you know, I'm not, I'm not a skeptic about the reality of these differences. So, but I do agree with the idea that we are, our minds are forming abstractions. We are recognizing that, Hey, all these, you know, things with four wheels, which there's another abstraction that are driving around more abstraction, (laughs) our cars, you know, so we build our abstractions. We lay abstractions on top of abstractions, on top of abstractions, just in, the, in day-to-day life without probably thinking about it too much. Um, and certainly in programming, we do that too. We layer abstractions upon abstractions upon abstractions. Um, and, that, and that's where you get bloatware or, you know, it's just always amazing to me. You get your latest, greatest, most amazing computer. And it's like, man, this thing is still spinning its gears just have a, as I try to write an email. You know, it's like, there's so much power in this machine, but there's so, so much software that we're asking it to deal with. Anyway, that's a digression. But, um, uh, there's this, this sort of somewhere we have to, we have to start building those abstractions from something, and so for me and over on the type theory, type theory and programming languages side, the starting point, the objective reality that we're then going to form abstractions based on top of is the execution of our programs. That's that's what we in the end we're building abstractions to ensure properties of our executions. So our executions are sort of the you know the the base. Uh, base, you know, matter of this world, and then we're forming um, abstractions, all sort of on top of that. Um, so, 
yeah, so that's why I say computation comes first. Uh, that's that's a connection with with this idea to me, and um, so you know, so concretely, you know, you've got some language design, and you you um, you think about you know, you come up with an operational semantics. You come up with a description of how programs are meant to execute. I mean, honestly, this description could just be an implementation of an interpreter in some other language. That would be fine. That's a that's a formal description. It's not a mathematical description in, in the sense in the according to the standards of this field, but uh, sort of semantics and theory of programming languages. But it's formal. It's absolutely formal. You've got this artifact that tells you um, what programs mean by explaining how they run. So you know how programs execute, and now types uh, are a specification for program execution. Okay, so. Um, uh, Exactly how this works out, or how it could be set up, there may be some possibilities to do things slightly differently here and there. Um, but you know, so let's try to play this game just with some base types. Like maybe let's just say we have a type of booleans, and let's say we're going to make function types on top of these. So um, a you know so. Let's, let's, let's imagine that we're, if we're in a type theory, we generally mean all our programs are going to terminate. So let, let's just play that game for a little bit here. We could try a different version of this where programs don't have to terminate. But um, so bool, you know, so what we're saying is we know what, how programs run. Let's say we're dealing with just some lambda calculus with Boolean values, true and false, and like maybe an if then else. And this would be untyped lambda calculus because remember the computation is coming first; types are coming second. So, uh, so we have untyped lambda calculus. Let's say with booleans and if then else, just kind of for. I mean, of course, we can lambda encode these, which we're all about here at uh, CDL headquarters. But let's just let's just not pretend. Think about lambda encoding of things. We're just going to say um, we just have primitive booleans and if then else. Okay, so. Um, you know, using that, you can write and and or and not and this kind of thing. Um, so, so you're basically writing higher order Boolean operations in this little language. And uh, so, so we know how to what you know. Roughly speaking, I'm just sort of hand waving through it here over the air. But we have a we can certainly write down a completely precise and, and rather short definition of the operational semantics of this language. How do programs in untyped lambda calculus with primitive booleans and if then else uh, how do they how do these programs execute now we're going to say now we want to define some types and the types are going to tell us properties of uh, of our programs they're going to tell us something about how the programs are going to run um, and again there are some choices here so I'm going to try one choice just off the cuff here so uh, let's say so boolean intuitively we want to say the Boolean type, uh, it describes those programs which are either true or, you know, the, the constant Boolean value true or the constant Boolean value false. Um, now, if we're dealing with type theory, and depending on how we set all this up, we might actually want to say they are, um, oh, I'm parking here, and I've got a pretty awesome shot of a bald, bald eagle sitting in this tree about 50 feet away from me looking over the river. Um, just a Iowa note here. So, um, we have bald eagles like crazy. I don't know if I mentioned that. They're all over the place. 
Uh, so um, we might want to say, instead of just saying bool is, you know, this, this specification, this bool specification is um, something that is true for the, the actual Boolean values, true and false, we might want to say it's true for programs which normalize to true or normalize to false. That is, they execute in some you know, finite number of steps and end up, they terminate, the execution, you know, reaches a final value of true or a final value of false. Um, again, that's kind of a detail, how you, how one we're going to set this up. Then we'll say, now what's a function type? What's, as a specification, what does a function type mean? When, when is a, a term sat, uh, of this, this language, on type lambda calculus plus booleans, when does it satisfy the specification of a function type? Um, like an A to A or B function. Well, it satisfies that specification if any time you apply it, you know, a, a particular term, let's say T, satisfies the specification A or B, if any time you call T with an input that satisfies that A specification, that was the domain type of this function type, A or B, every time you call with an argument that satisfies A, then F applied to that argument is going to satisfy B. Um, so, uh, you know, so if you take something like, um, take the definition of not, which I guess is like lambda x, if x, then false, else true, okay? And you want to say that's a bool to bool function that satisfies this specification. The typing is not intrinsic to that program at all. You're making a statement outside the program about its behavior. And you're saying anytime you call that function with something that reduces to either true or false, right? Because that's that's what the bool specification is, the bool type. Um, then not of that is going to also reduce to something that satisfies the bool type. And sure enough, if you t call not as I've defined it there, lambda x if then else x if then x if x then false else true. If you call that with true something that reduces to true, then the whole expression is going to reduce to. Uh, um, to false, and if you call it something that reduces to false, it's going to reduce to true. Okay, and there's some details there. If you're grinding through all this um, very carefully on a piece of paper, mathematically, you know, you you have to be a little careful about this or that detail. But that's that's certainly um, roughly the right idea. So uh, anyway, and that's that's basically that's the start of the sort of idea of realizability. Realizability is an old idea due to Stephen Colclini um, trying to give. Uh, um, computational, trying to give a recursive, recursion theoretic semantics for intuitionistic logic to sort of explain what what's constructive about it. How does constructivity work in, in terms of um, the sort of functions that can uh, that can satisfy the specifications of a of a type? And we know by the Curry Howard isomorphism, you know, so he, he was thinking about intuitionistic formulas, but under Curry Howard, that's the same as types. So it's the same kind of idea. We have um, when does a in his case he was using numbers. When does a number realize an intuitionistic formula? I mean, the number is basically a code for a program. And so here, I think it's more a little more modern to say, well, let's just think about a program like a lambda calculus program. When does that program meet the specification that the intuitionistic formula under Curry Howard um, it, you know gives you? And so we just were seeing a, a little example of that. Um, so we'll, we'll talk some more about this uh, the next time. So thank you for listening.